Hey everybody, welcome to the 15-Minute Frightcast. Uh, let's say it's the Vern Troyer version of the Midnight Frightcast. Uh, the 15-Minute Frightcast is basically the condensed version in which we only do the review of the movie that was selected for the week. And the movie that is selected is by the guest of the week. And the guest of the week we have now is friend and fellow filmmaker, Chad Hofschild. Chad, how you doing? I'm doing great. Actually, I'm just super excited to be off the blacklist of a Midnight Frightcast. Thanks for having me back. I know that was probably a decision that you guys had to weigh heavily. I know it's probationary. I get it. I get it. It is. We got to take it to, to the committee <laughs> yet and uh, we'll see how you do here. See how I do today. Well, it is tradition on the 15-Minute Frightcast that the guest gets to pick the movie. So, Chad, what movie did you pick? I picked Sam Raimi's The Evil Dead. Originally released in uh, 81, didn't really hit hard until 83, but I'm really excited to talk about it. Very okay, excited. great. Well, I'm just going to give some quick deets and then we'll dive into it. it. Sounds good. Uh, as you said, we're reviewing The Evil Dead 1981, runs about an hour 25, currently on Netflix. Ash Williams, his girlfriend, and three friends head to a cabin in the woods for a fun weekend. There they find an old book whose text reawakens the dead when it's read aloud. The friends inadvertently release a flood of evil and must fight for their lives or become one of the evil dead. IMDb rating 7.5, Metacritic score 71%, Rotten Tomatoes critic score 95%, and a Rotten Tomatoes audience score of 84%. Chad, your thoughts on this movie? We got 15 minutes, less than that. And I just got to talk so quickly here. So I'm just going to jump right into some things, okay? First of all, before we get into much more, I just want to acknowledge the fact that, yes, it is cheap. The special effects, the makeup effects, they're cheap. And we both know it is so easy to shit all over a movie that looks as cheap as this one does. The thing is, it is held in such high regard they must have done some things very, very right to have the kind of fandom that this movie has. And you got to look at it a couple of ways. So first, I'd like to look at it first through the eyes of young 15, maybe 16-year-old Chad watching this probably on HBO for the first time. And it is, it's, it's unlike anything that I had seen up to that point. Now, put, putting this into context, because I, I think context is super important with this movie, I think what you have to do is first... Look at the movies that were out at that time and before that. You've got, you know, John Carpenter doing his work. You've got Wes Craven. You've got Cronenberg doing his thing. You already had the Giallo stuff going on. But this thing was still, even in like 86, was still so different than anything I had ever seen before. And that all comes down to style. This thing, it was shot incredibly interesting. The, the sound design was amazing. And it was gory. Now... A little more context, because I think that's important. This movie was originally shot in 79. So in 1979, think about that. You've had Halloween. You've had Alien. You've had some some really big horror films. But at such a low budget, and this thing, and the, the story behind this movie is, is, is essentially you had a group of people going out to make a horror movie. They had very little money, so they had to try so much harder to make this thing interesting. But even at that point not being a filmmaker yet, just you know, just looking at it uh, as a fan of the genre and just a fan of filmmaking in general, there was something about this movie that was captivating. It, you know, it, like I said, it looked great. It sounded great. All of those things. So then I grow up a little bit and I decide, yeah, I'm going to be a filmmaker when I grow up, which really at that point I started really thinking about it more. I was like, Hey, I want to write a little bit in, in entertainment. I think that would be pretty sweet. 
or maybe I'll be an actor. I don't know. We'll do that. Then you start looking at this film and you start to understand how important it was to the DNA of modern horror films and honestly, cinema in general. Before this movie, I'm not going to say that no one had attempted some of these cinematic techniques, the sound design techniques, editing techniques. I'm not going to say that Sam Remy and his crew invented this stuff, but they put it together in such a way that really captured people's imagination and influenced filmmaking moving forward. The way it shot, the editing, the, the pacing, the tone of this film, which is so different. The dutched angles, I mean, figuring out how to make this look so much more interesting with such a low budget. And that, I think, is where this thing really shines. It essentially created the subgenre of Cabin in the Woods. And the reason right. I, I'm sort of stressing this as, as much as I am is because context can really be a bitch. If you don't understand the context of, of when this film was made, why it was made, how it was made, I think you would... Watch it for the first time, especially young audiences could watch this movie for the first time and just be, this movie is fucking terrible. What an awful film. This is a, a cheap ass movie with bad acting and not great storytelling that's using all of the genre tropes that are so ubiquitous right now in filmmaking. Everybody's doing this stuff. What a cheap piece of shit. Without understanding, this created those tropes. That's how important this film is. Now, this film, I think, for me, kind of defined what true independent filmmaking is. This is a group of kids that were basically just out of film school. I think Sam Raimi had just finished or was completing film school. He had a handful of shorts under his belt, and it was him and his best friends and his brother all got together and put this thing together, totaling only $350,000 budget. But that was the budget at the end. When they initially filmed this, they had nothing to work with. They had a few thousand dollars to work with. So to me, this is the true definition of independent filmmaking and the way that they created some of those cinematic techniques on the fly without having professional gear, I thought was just amazing. Yeah. This is the kind of movie I think that all novice horror filmmakers should want to try to make, mm -hmm. right? This is, I mean, this is the model really I mean, we, we all talk about, you know, the, the Robert Rodriguez's and the Kevin Smith's and the things like that. It's like, oh, wouldn't be that be, wouldn't that be great if that happened? But I think um, Sam Remy and, and his crew and what they did with this film is a lot more universal. This is something that I think most indie filmmakers are doing and have done and have tried to do. You can't really emulate these kind of things. But I mean, this is, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is a group of friends that got together to make a movie. They've made stuff in the past. This wasn't like oh, we're going to get a camera and we're going to do something. They right. busted their chops before this. But this was the one where everything came together kind of just right. Even at how cheap it looks now, especially in HD. This movie looks so cheap in HD. On SD, <laughs> it's a way better looking film. So watch watch it in SD right, from right. an old VHS copy or something because you're going to get the experiences much better. Now, Chad, we're about halfway through. Yeah. So you have graciously said that you're willing to stay on in the video portion of this so we can save some things for then. I think I want to jump into uh, what worked for you and what didn't work for you in this movie. Right. What worked for me is the, we'll say that the technique of filmmaking. I think that Sam Remy and his crew, they were so very focused on um, how they're going to make this look. They knew exactly how they wanted. Well, Sam, I think, is the one who really knew how he wanted this thing to look. 
your camera techniques, your sound design, your, your editing choices. I think those were probably all a lot of him and it's beautiful stuff. For example, the, the scene where, where Ash's sister draws the picture of the Necronomicon for the first time. That is edited and sound designed so beautifully. And not only that, not only that scene, but they go back to that later in the film at mm-hmm. the end of the movie. Right. Well, Ash is, is, you know, just before he's, well, he's where he's going crazy. And that's something, uh, again, it's just the, the understanding visually how to tell this story, because that's where things fall a little bit short for me, is the actual storytelling uh, in and of itself. Performances are relatively weak. I've yeah, already talked I would about, not, I would not disagree with you right. on that. I've already talked about how cheap this movie looks and, um, you know, the makeup is falling off fingers at the time and things are slouching. Uh, but that stuff's hard. If you've made any kind of movie with any kind of makeup effect, that stuff is really fucking hard. But where it falls short, honestly, is for me, is the storytelling is a little bit weak. It's kind of shorthanded. It still works. You kind of know who everybody is and you establish the relationships and all that. But sometimes reactions are a little bit strange. Like, why aren't they more freaked out right now? You know, the, a lot of those emotional connections to what has just happened and what's going to happen. A lot of that stuff from a performance perspective doesn't work as great, but I think visually he overcame that stuff with shot composition and right. editing and sound design. And it's worth noting that he didn't have his cast the entire time. They, they got done with some of the initial photography and the cast left. Uh, Bruce Campbell stuck around. So they shot a lot of scenes with stagehands and, and other people filling in for those parts and they, Bruce they called them reacting shimps. to them. They called them shimps uh, yeah. based on their three stooges. Um, uh, the love of the three of the three stooges, the but three yeah, a bunch of stand-ins coming in to take the place of the actors who had already bailed. I don't think you could understate the importance of this film on horror in general and the success of horror and and where horror was going after that. And I don't know that Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell really understood the significance of it either. They both devoted yeah. so much time and effort and their own money and their heart and soul and blood, sweat and tears into this project. And it's something that even if I didn't like the movie, I could certainly appreciate what they accomplished. Fully agree with that. I don't think I, I could say it any better. I will say the, the prop design in this movie was actually pretty fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for what they had to work with, you know, the special effects, even with what do we call it? The vine rape scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What they were doing there, introducing the low camera angle, running with the camera yeah. on a two by four, all those things that they kind of threw in there was just completely to me, you know, going back, like you had said, to the younger version of us when we saw it for the first time, thinking, I've not seen this before. Mm-hmm. And that's something really striking. And if you can accomplish that in a movie, I think you've come a long way, baby. Indeed. So we're kind of getting down here to yeah. the ratings. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that's why I'm gracious that you're willing to hold on to the uh, video portion of this afterwards. And folks that are listening, that's why you should watch it on Facebook as well. Get into our groups so that you can enjoy the extra content. So we're getting the reviews. Now we rate the movies on the gore score, the fear factor, and the overall rating. And would you recommend it to a friend? Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. start with the gore score, a rating of zero, or excuse me, one to 10. Absolutely a gory film. I'm going to give it a seven. In the gore score. Seven for gore? Yeah. I think I would probably pump it up to an eight just because of the sheer volume of blood mm-hmm. in this movie. In fact, they had at one of the screenings, they set up a blood bank that people could donate. <laughs> and it was just a gimmick because they knew they had used so much blood in this movie. I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty, pretty funny. Well, then we've got the fear factor. 
that's a harder one to do because I know they went in wanting to make a really scary, gory, disturbing film. But because of the humor in it, I don't think it was quite as scary as I think they wanted it to be. So I'm going to give it a six because I still think there's enough nice, solid scares in it to give it that number. Yeah. The fear factor has always been difficult for us to rank on the Fright Cast because we're at an age now where things just don't yeah. scare us anymore. They're, yeah. So I always try to harken back to the first time that I saw this movie. It creeped me out. It really did. The, the, the white eyes, the way they were reacting. I look at it now and I look at it as overacting. But then I hadn't seen anything like that up to this mm, point. Yeah. I'm still going to rank it kind of low, though. I'm going to give it about a five for the fear factor. I do know that it affected other people more than it did me. But for me personally, there's our beeper. There it is. But for me personally, it's right about a five. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now it's overall rating. And would you recommend it to a friend? Just as a movie, I would probably give it a seven. As an important piece of horror cinema, I'd give it a nine, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I think if you're just going in it to watch a good a good old 80s you know, horror film, I'm, uh, yeah, seven, I think. And absolutely would, would recommend it. Okay. I, too, would put it at a seven and completely agree with the importance of this movie as an influence for future filmmakers. Would I recommend it to a friend? Yes, I would. But I would also give the caveat saying, don't expect high quality. (laughs) Understand it for what it is, and you Mm -hmm. will enjoy it so much more. All right. Any last thoughts on The Evil Dead? I have a lot of thoughts um, (laughs) about this movie. I'll boil it down to this. It's an important film to watch as a filmmaker. Even if you're not interested in, in making horror films, it is, I think, a movie that you need to watch in the context that it was, you know, it, when it was originally made. Every single feature film that I've made, I can point to the influences from The Evil Dead. Excellent. Well, that's it for this episode of the 15-Minute Frightcast. Chad, I want to thank you for coming on to the show. Thanks for having me back. I'm probationarily, that is. <laughs> I appreciate that. And at some point, we'll explain that whole thing. <laughs> so on behalf of myself and Chad, I thank you for coming on watching us, listening to us, whichever. Please come back and check out the next episode. We'll see you later. Thanks, everybody.